Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. How often do you divide your attention? We try to accomplish everything we can in a short amount of time, but sometimes that means not giving our full attention to a task. Today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that we cannot serve two masters. We don't have the capacity. So assess your priorities. Make sure you put the right ones first. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on November 13th, 2022. What I want to do today is answer from the scriptures the question of what would Jesus say about all this concerning current events. And by current events, I mean everything that's now happening in the world today, specifically as it relates to prophecies in the Bible. Thankfully, (laughs) Jesus has much to say in His Word about the last days. And as such, I'm hoping to zero in on His parables and His sermons. And this because Jesus, speaking in parables, was actually a fulfillment of Bible prophecy chiefly as it relates to the end of the age and the kingdom of heaven. In addition to the parables, Jesus preached many sermons recorded in the Gospels, which also speak to His coming kingdom. And in so doing, He teaches to us and answers for us the question of what we're to do and why we're to do it as we wait and watch for His soon and imminent return. So what follows in no particular order are just four of the many questions, but these four are the most often asked questions that we receive having to do with what we're to do (laughs) in light of the seriousness of this last hour prior to the rapture. Question number one, what would Jesus say about prepping ahead of time for the prophesied global financial collapse? We get this question quite a bit, and please know that We would never take the posture of giving anyone specific financial advice, medical advice, or even legal advice. Rather, we will give biblical guidance. 
And the truth of the matter is we really don't have to give advice because the biblical guidance provides the perfect advice. And such is the case with this question that we have before us. Enter the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. It's found in Matthew's Gospel, the sixth chapter, verses 19 through 34, which is the best advice, bar none, (laughs) on the matter of how do we prepare financially, especially now when the world is careening towards its prophesied end with breakneck speed, which is that of a controlled demolition of the current economy already in progress, as we speak, in order to usher in the Antichrist's digital economy. It's already happening, even now, again, as we speak. Now, Jesus addresses this concern by not only providing us with the cure for our financial worries, but also how it is that we're to prepare financially ahead of time. Beginning in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21, Jesus says, now please listen, that we're to transfer our treasures, not our necessities, our treasures, that which we've laid up. We're to transfer those treasures from earth to heaven. Why? Because in heaven moth and rust do not have access to destroy it, nor does the government have access to break in and steal it, as they're already planning to, so you know. This is the transfer of what God has blessed us with, that which we cannot take with us, but we can sure send it ahead. Reminds me of a story long ago, a true story about this wealthy man who had died, and everybody was kind of asking, how much did he leave? Answer, all of it. So this transfer has the much needed effect of changing our hearts, by virtue of the fact that where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. So if our treasure's down here, well then that's where our heart is. Jesus didn't say, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. No, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So where's your treasure? Is your treasure there? Well then your, your heart is there. Your heart isn't in it down here because your treasure is not down here. So this changes you and your heart because now you have your treasure transferred up there where it's safe, by the way, and the return whole. You don't have to worry about it because see, the more you have down here, the more you have to worry about what you have down here. 
perhaps better said, the more you have, the more treasure you have down here, the more you'll worry about losing the treasure that you have down here. This again is the cure for worry. In verses 22 through 24, Jesus says that making this transfer not only changes our hearts, so too does it also change our focus. Now stay with me. Jesus says the the eye is the lamp of the body, and the eye can either be full of darkness or full of light. So that's called double vision. We're going to talk more about that here in a moment, because see, when I have double vision, I'm, I'm kind of, you'll forgive me for the illustration, but for lack of a better one, you're torn between two lovers. <laughs> See, you're torn between two treasures. You've got two treasures, and, and you're torn between the two, and Jesus says, you can't do that. It's either one or the other. He doesn't say, you should not serve two masters. It would be a good idea if you did not serve two masters. No, he says you cannot. It's either one or the other. Either you're going to love the one, hate the other, or vice versa. So when our heart is with him and our eyes are on him, then our worship and service will be to him because no one can love and serve two masters. In verses 25 through 32, Jesus then begins explaining and illustrating how it is, and really why it is, that we can truly have absolutely no financial worry, even if it gets significantly worse before the rapture, and it certainly could and it could be argued that it even now is. But Jesus is promising us and explaining to us and illustrating for us why it is that we don't have to worry about it. Okay? For those of you that have been to Israel, well, this is one of the highlights of the trip. There you are on the hillside, beautiful, I mean, breathtaking. you got the Sea of Galilee here the Mount of Beatitudes, and, and certain times of the year, I mean, it is just decorated ever so magnificently with the lilies of the field. I remember one morning getting ready for the morning devotional before we were to tour that day, and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the Sea of Galilee and the birds. Oh, one time, this was so cool. I love it when God does this. I was teaching Matthew 6 this passage that we, we have here. And I was talking about Jesus saying, look at the birds of the air. And right when I said that, a bird came down and landed on the railing. I'm like, God, thank you for the special effects. That's perfect. There's my sermon illustration you knew, didn't you? And I pointed to that bird. It's like, thank you, Lord. Can you just keep it here till I'm done with the illustration? But that's what Jesus did. He says, look at these birds. Look at the birds in the air. Do you see them freaking out, building barns, hedging against the future, preparing for the financial collapse, stuffing worms in there? I know it's silly, but that's the point, isn't it? Why are they not worrying? Because your heavenly Father feeds them. 
And if God is going to feed that bird who's not made in the image of God, oh, God created the bird, but God did not create that bird in His image like He did us. How much more valuable are you than that bird? So in other words, if God's going to feed that bird, He's going to feed you too. So don't worry about it. Yeah, but what are we going to eat when (laughs) here in Hawaii they cut off all the food supply that has to come either by plane or boat? (laughs) When we first moved here, my wife reminded me who's from here, born and raised here. Now you have to understand, honey, that you know it's very different in Hawaii. Everything that we get comes either by air or sea, because there's no bridges. (laughs) There's no land transported. So if something were to happen, yeah, but don't worry. Of course, me being a professional worrier and having a PhD in worry, uh, I'm a recovering worryaholic. God's done a profound work in my life. But I mean, I was so good at worrying that if I ran out of things to worry about, I would ask you what I could worry about for you. It's been said that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you don't get anywhere. So how much more valuable are you? And then he he points to the lilies of the field, and he says, even Solomon in all of his splendor and wealth was never clothed the way one of these flowers is clothed. And here's the thing with that flower. It's going to be here today. Tomorrow, come back, it's gone. And yet your heavenly Father clothes this flower. How much more will He clothe you? How much more valuable are you? He provides for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, which are not equal in worth or value to us as His children created in His image. We are not fatherless. We are not fatherless. In verses 33 and 34, Jesus promises us that if we would but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, everything we need will be added and provided. And then He concludes by assuring us that worrying about tomorrow is utterly futile. As one aptly said it, today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. I'll give you a moment. Think about that. Yesterday you worried about today, and it's today. Yesterday it was tomorrow, and you worried about tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes, and why did you worry? So you're going to worry about tomorrow now? Today? So now tomorrow becomes that which you worry about, but today is what you worried about yesterday as the tomorrow. Yeah, I better stop while I'm sort of ahead, actually not. You get the point? Don't borrow tomorrow, today. Sufficient unto the day are the worries therein. And by the way, what you worry about, they found this to be true, something like 90 plus percent of what we worry about never happens. And that makes you angry, doesn't it? Because all that time you spent worrying for what? 
And then, now I know some of you, like me, who are very good at worrying, you're going, well, that's not 100% though. What about the other? (laughs) I mean, you can quote the statistics all you want. If you told me 99% of what I worry about doesn't happen, I'm good. But I'd worry about the 1%. Well, here's the thing, with the 1%, even if it does happen, God gives you the grace you need at the time you need it. And His grace is sufficient. And you'll make it through it. And here you unnecessarily worried about it. Here's the bottom line. And I know this is dorky, but I have the gift of dorky. It's a bonus gift. I know it's not in the scriptures, but when the economic outlook looks bad, try the uplook. No, that's the thing, isn't it? We get so hyper-focused, laser-focused on here and now. And I think about what Isaiah wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. So now my heart's there, my eyes are there, and my focus is there, because my treasure's there. And what were you worrying about again? Question number two. And this is a biggie. I mean, I guess they're all biggies, but man, we get this a lot. What would Jesus say about the need to make plans for the future when the rapture is so close? What's the point? What's the use? If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the biggest struggles for us as Christians, this would have to be at the top of the list. And I think it's at the top of the list because we see an incompatibility of sorts between being ready for the rapture and planning ahead for the future. And I don't think they're incompatible. They do not compete one with the other. They actually complement one with the other. Again, Jesus speaks to this and actually resolves this In the parable he taught, that's recorded in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 11 through 27, which sadly has been the subject of misinterpretation and misunderstanding. And here's why. The parable known as the ten minus, which is very different than the other parables, does not say what some think and even teach. Namely, that of both how and with what we're to occupy till Jesus comes. Doubtless you've heard this said many times, quoted, again sadly misquoted, well we're to occupy till He comes. Well, in order to understand what Jesus is saying, about occupying until He comes, we need to first understand what Jesus is not saying. As we're about to see, Jesus is not saying anything about money, but ministry. And He's not speaking only to clergy, if you will, but laity. This well-known, much-quoted, and misunderstood parable about 
occupying till he comes is understood vis-a-vis the mina representing the gospel. We've been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And please hear my heart when I say this. It is not a Republican gospel. It is not a Democratic gospel. It is not an American gospel. It is not a patriotic gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ and salvation found in the person of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. I'm not angry. Maybe I am. I don't know. It's a righteous anger, of course. But this is very passionate and personal for me because I cringe when I hear, occupy till he comes. We've got to be good stewards of that which God has entrusted us with. Oh, really? So you're going to superimpose the template of this parable onto the secular and give license to whatever you want because you're going to occupy till he comes. That's not what Jesus is saying. I would just humbly ask, would you just kind of bear with me as we go through this? Beginning in Luke 19, verses 11 through 13, Jesus teaches this parable with detailed specificity because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. So he likens himself to a nobleman going to a distant country to be appointed king and then return. Now, before he goes, he gives his ten servants one mina each, and then he instructs them to occupy till he comes. That's the King James. Some of the other translations render it, do business until I come. By occupy till he comes, this is what Jesus is saying. Get busy and put the gospel to work by circulating it and doing business for the kingdom and the expanding of the kingdom. And it's evidenced by each servant receiving in equal measure one mina. This is what sets it apart from the other parables of the talents, because the servants, the stewards, are given accordingly, proportionately, not here. They're all given exactly one. That's the gospel. These are Christians that have been entrusted with the mina of the gospel. And we're to get busy about the things of God and the kingdom of God. In verses 14 through 25, Jesus goes on to describe what happened when he returns, saying that the first servant earned ten minus, and the second servant earned five minus. However, the third servant, and this is very important, he cowered and faltered because he was afraid. He was ashamed of the gospel. He was afraid in fear to share the gospel. So what did he do? Well, he just kind of tucked it away, hid his one mina, in a handkerchief, sort of akin to covering your light so it doesn't shine. The end of the world is going to happen, and it might be closer than we think. 
There's much happening in the world around us that ties into the predictions made in the Bible. With the number of events occurring, though, it can be difficult to keep up with it all. Pastor J.D. Farag has taken it upon himself to help us out with that. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes an in-depth look at what Scripture has to say about the end times and then pairs them with the current events of the week. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available for free to you through our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find them as well on our YouTube channel, and we update them each week to give you the latest information. These messages are useful to us to be able to keep Jesus' ultimate kingdom goal at the front of our minds. Jesus came to earth to offer love and forgiveness to each person. He completed his mission when he died on the cross for our sins and then defeated death by rising again. Jesus has charged each one of us who confess to follow him with a simple task. Go into the world and share the good news of his life. As the end draws even closer, we need to adopt a sense of urgency in getting the word out. We hope you will use these Mideast Bible prophecy updates to draw closer to Jesus, allowing Him to speak through you to the world around you. Once again, you'll find these prophecy updates by visiting inspiritandtruthradio.com and clicking the link to our YouTube channel. Join us again for Truth from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth.